The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC, Vegas 60 recap, and Bellator 285 breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever technical difficulties come our way. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. All right, now we're sound. All right, we're getting going here. We're getting going. Um, I threw some questions on the front end. I'm going to edit this audio to just uh, not waste your guys' time for the audio. Apologies for those of you sticking this long with the no sound. Apologies. I always mute it as a safety and then forget to take it off um, trying to get these things. I'm sorry, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm sick here. Uh, crazy week. Been sick. Uh, been sick, uh, but uh, we're going to get to... Uh, Thankfully, I only answered a couple questions there, thankfully. And the other ones were kind of self-explanatory. We had my guy Alvin Yakatori touching on my guy Aaron Bronstetter's monologue, which I shared um, at Dan Tom MMA, of course, there. And uh, pretty much just being, you know, we're going to get into the UFC Vegas 260 recap. We're going to try to brush through everything now real quick that I wasted like 15 minutes off the top. But basically, it was a great monologue uh, on why to be grateful, even when, uh, even when our content creators come in with no sound. Because the fighters, the ones who actually count at the end of the day, uh, whether they're suffering like crazy cuts like Hobo Cop uh, or Song Yadong, which I was uh, flashing some of those uh, song questions on the chat. Um, man, a lot, a lot, a lot is at risk. You know, uh, I quoted a, uh, I quoted uh, one of my favorites, uh, uh, Davy Havoc from AFI from my teenage years. There, I singe my skin, but it heals my heart, and with glowing pride, I'll wear my scars. It's definitely a, a, a you know. A optimistic way to look at it, but man, these are some real scars that these guys are wearing, right? They're not, uh, they're not necessarily the prettiest, and maybe they're not the best reminders, right? Uh, if they lo- lost these fights, um, so yeah, much respect to the fighters. Shouts to my guy Alvin Yakatori, who uh, I'll throw back on here, and uh, appreciate the hardcores of you guys sticking on, especially those of you who uh, had to watch to put another 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 reminder. But uh, I'm glad you guys got the questions, and I should have fast-forwarded and saw all the no sounds. So, anyways, appreciate you guys. Got Ramundo, Ramundo Martin there. Thanks, my, my man, Ramundo. Got MMA Junkie Radio uh, alum in the chat. Of course, we got my guys Jimmy Kudo, Ghost, who I already highlighted earlier. My guy James Kendrick. Um, Jin Karasu, of course. RJ Bertle. Appreciate you. All right, guys, uh, let's go. Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, the update's done. Shouts to Aaron. Shouts to my guy, Alvin. Um, yeah, I've been, been sick this week, uh, just a bit under the weather, and just out of courtesy trying to um, trying to stay out of the gym. Uh, I, hit, I was able to hit the seminar earlier this week, but, uh, you know, something just came on, and, and from Tuesday on, which sucks because Tuesday and Thursdays are sparring. You guys know I got my, my ass kicked pretty thoroughly last week. And... Even though, um, you know, we try to go away from old school mentalities, we talk about, you know, um, the costs and trying to be aware of head trauma and stuff. You know, part of it's not just showing up and being able to take it and get through, uh, phrasing, uh, but it's also showing up the next practice in the next week, showing that you didn't get discouraged. So I really feel like I dropped the ball like that this week. 
Uh, I dropped the ball on this show with the audio, so I'm really beating myself up this week. So hopefully we'll push on to more positive, but thank you guys for being there, being positive. Thanks for the help as far as the mental mindset references, as far as literature to read up on. Two tactical stuff. Shout out to my guy Ryan Wagner, who I shouted out while I was muted. One of the best martial arts analysts at Ryan Wag MMA. When he's being serious, of course, pointed me in the right direction of some excellent southpaw Muay Thai fighters like Sitachai, the more modern, or to the more '90s Muay Thai fighters like uh, Methi. So uh, probably mispronounced that, but it's been a f- pleasure to watch. Um, you know, and very helpful. Got all hyphy last night, just shadow boxing. Um, and uh, probably should have uh, layered up and been resting more because I'm um, still not fully better today. wonder why. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, thank you guys there. It uh, was, was really cool um, seeing my guy Tommy uh, to finish out these shouts. I didn't get to see my guy Matt Joya from the Say Os Again podcast, one of the best jiu-jitsu podcasts. Of course, a lot of grappling friends were in town for ADCC 22, which I didn't watch or attend. A lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of good stuff. Did attend again Lovato Jr. seminar, which is crazy. If you look at the picture of me and him, I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder why Musas, even Musasi, who fought heavyweights, was like, this guy's huge, man. He's like, what is he like, six three, uh, or something? He had to have been like a full two twenty five, you know. Shouts to my guy Julian Marquez, who I always quote: "Middleweights are heavyweights cutting weight." I mean, oh boy, oh that's hot. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm like five nine, and I look like just like I belong in the WEC. Uh, next to him, uh, and I probably should. We'll talk about Mads Brunel here coming up. Bellator, uh, what is it, 285? They're on. Um, yeah, uh, we'll talk about him here. Um, standing next to that guy, I'm like, yeah, I, I should be a 145er, and I still wouldn't be that big, you know. Um, but hey, uh, let's talk about the pros. Less about me. Just wanted to give you guys an update. Um, and uh, what else happened? Oh yeah, Canelo Triple G. Um, I watched that uh, more. Educated people, uh, I believe, is it Silas from the Fight Site, Crafty Boxing, uh, Fight Site MMA podcast. Of course, my guy Kyle Mack uh, for all things uh, boxing, boxing history, combat sports history. Um, that is uh, Combat CR, Combat Chronicles, Combat Chronicles podcast on Patreon and podcast uh, platforms. Shouts! I, I'm really stoked for his Miguel Torres documentary. Um, but yeah, I watched Canelo and Triple G with some friends. Um, uh, shout out to my guy Jake Swinney and my old BCG crew. Uh, speaking of hobo cop, um, my my grappling crew BCG, of course, uh, stands for. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus! I, I feel like I, I, I say one thing, it just leads me into another story. Because how can I not explain why you are a part of a grappling team called the Big Cock Guys? But that is uh, the Neil Melanson name for the grappling team. Uh, <laughs> we did like 10 years ago we actually have competition shirts and everything it says we take on all comers and come on all takers it's fantastic folks real mature but uh, but uh, next to Randy Couture, Frank Trigg my old roommate Patrick Bijan um, the only fourth black belt I believe Neil gave out um, was this Saturday uh, to my guy Jake Swinney Jacob Swinney um, he fought in Tough Enough as well um uh, you grappling heads may know Jake. He was uh, he upset Bill the Grill Cooper, one of the first EBIs back in the day when this whole grappling uh, revival, um, this no gi revival, submission only stuff was uh, really really uh, kind of taken off there. So that was really special, man. Uh, I'm trying to get some photos of that still, and hopefully we'll be getting back together with uh, with that crew 
And maybe your boy can start working toward his uh, his brown his brown belt, uh, his brown belt for catch wrestling. Working toward that for jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. Working toward it for catch wrestling. It's all the same as grappling to me, but um, Niels who uh, who ranked me first, and um, you know, uh, it's it's cool to be getting back together with the guys, man. I'm not gonna. Not gonna lie, that's, 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 that camaraderie is pretty freaking cool. But hey, um, all right, we got that out of the way. Let's get to the UFC Vegas 260 recap, and then we will get to, um, uh, yeah, very briefly. By the way, it's gonna be Bellator 285, where I'm probably gonna mainly be shouting out like Sean Jian and the Severe MMA crew for their excellent coverage of all things European, particularly obviously Irish MMA. Um, my preview is going to be real light for that, folks. I'm just going to tell you pretty much what I'm on, and partially why, because I can't, I can't, I can't say everything here, uh, but I will do my best. So UFC uh, Vegas 60, UFC Fight Night 210, UFC Fight Night uh, Sanhagen Song recap is what we're going to recap here. Um. And uh, I will clean up the chat after. Much apologies, guys, again for for uh, for all that nonsense. Um, good thing I didn't share this out, and I forgot to do that since I'm just so awful today. I'm going to actually share this out uh, while I talk. Uh, yeah, we went basically nine and four overall, one and two in props, two and three in round flyers, two for four of the round robin, which means we went zero for one in the long shot round robin. Parlay. So uh, let me share this link out, and we will go from top to bottom. Results on that before we, of course, get to uh, Bellator um, 285. A quick preview there. Also some Jose Aldo talk. As you guys know, uh, my article dropped <clears throat> over at MMAJunkie.com where uh, I ranked my top 11 as far as... Uh, his WEC UFC fights. I did shout out some of his pre-WEC fights. Those those soccer kick uh, matches, of course, over there. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm, I'm multitasking here. And we got that out. Okay. All right. Sorry. You got the one-man shit show over here. We'll try to keep this as uh, quickly as possible. Got results pulled up. Um, I will circle back for all the uh, questions, of course, the ones uh, I couple that I touched on and the rest but um yeah if you guys got anything on uh on this uh feel free to insert that in for uh, this card of course Corey Hans Sanhagen defeated Song Yudong uh, I did not watch this live was uh at the fight party for Canelo Triple G3 um where it's like um uh, boy it's depressing and older fighters uh get old um, Got to watch more of the, like, you know, Roberto Duran, Iran Barkley's of the world, right? Where the 37-year-old uh, has his due. Um, doggies over here barking. Sorry, guys. It's nothing. They calm down. That is hot for reading is off, that coffee. But, yeah, I missed a Sanhagen song live. Um, well, rewatched it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't hate anybody scoring it two to two. By the way, if you want any real scoring taco, see my guys uh, Dan Urban and Scott Fontana, Couchside uh, Judges podcast. Great podcast there. They really do a good job of breaking down the scoring for these rounds. 
Um, I know round two is probably more the one in question here because what do you value the cut or the uh, the impactful strikes, particularly in the first half, more toward the first half of the round of round two for Song. Um, I'm usually the guy that kind of downplays cuts as far as damage and tells you to, to, to you know be careful on it, and I still hold by it. But again, like all rules, there are no hard and fast ones in MMA, um, and for this one, I actually do weigh it heavily because of the skill of uh, the intercepting elbow shot, that uh, intercepting up elbow that uh, Sanhagen uses to cut it. But if you didn't see that, you can't um, overly weigh that cut, right? Because maybe the cut came through a graze of something that wasn't meant as a strike. Maybe even something illegal like a clash of heads, right? It depends on what your vantage point of the cage was or just what you missed and what you didn't, right, sometimes. So... Um, if there are any judges that ended up giving it to Song or any of you at home that ended up giving it to Song, um, I don't think any, anyone should be held over the stakes for that. I think that's a perfectly respectable score. Um, I, I wasn't scoring it. I kind of was just re-watching it with the result in mind. Um, I liked what uh, Song was trying to do for portions of it, trying to counter, but I believe Ghost Fan was the one in here uh, bringing up questions about the cage cutting. I think those questions are all the more relevant. This was the fight where we really had to see it tactically as far as can Song do it and you know how tactically um, prepared, how much of a game plan, how thematically prepared, however you want to put it, is Song in his camp? Because that was another question we had. We were kind of going over here here in the chat, right, folks? So um, I'll have to rewatch it for more of those. But in short, uh, you know, not the greatest job at cutting. He had some ideas in there. I didn't blame maybe so much the countering approach. Um, we've seen that work for high footwork fighters before. But um, but yeah, how much of it was going to... Uh, oh, no wonder it's at 65. Jesus, that was hot. How much of it was going to work um, you know, organically there, even with a small cage? I think the small cage just produced more uh, violence, um, which in this case you know, was somewhat correct, although it was the cut, let's be honest, that stopped it. But let's be honest, the cut could have really stopped it sooner. Uh, I think Hobo Cop really, really did a, did th threw everybody off, you know, um, as far as the ref. You know, part of me, when I saw that, I thought of the Morgan Morgan Freeman line, um, which I know all the, uh, all the Team Magnum and uh, Drake Riggs folks in the chat will, uh, will appreciate, uh, <laughs> this sentiment, perhaps, where, where it goes, but I don't know if you guys remember that line from Morgan Freeman uh, in a really, really bad movie. Uh, not bad movie, but just uh, it upset me in a lot of ways, which we don't have to get into. Uh, but Million Dollar Baby with Cl the Clint Eastwood flick, where uh, they're talking about Morgan Freeman talking about how he got how he went blind, um, and how it was a fight that should have been stopped. And he's like, he's like, you know, I forget what the line was something about. We were, you know, two black guys in the middle of somewhere in the nineteen somethings, right? Uh, we were brought there to bleed. And uh, part of me th was thinking about that for like when people were like, how do they just keep looking at this hole that was getting, or this, you know, you know, this gaping cut that kept getting bigger and bigger on Song's eye and the guy just kept letting him go, letting him go. You know, I'll be honest, part of my head initially went there, but I don't know how much I want to defend the doctor, but in the doctor's defense, I will say, um, you got to think the fight, which we'll talk about next, uh, prior with Hobo Cop, you know, um, seeing his exposed vein, and I'm not talking about Hobo Cop's, you know, 
that exposed vein, right? Uh, I mean, you know, you got to imagine that gruesome cut, of course, I'm referring to between Hobocop's eyes. Not his third eye. No. Um, well, actually, he's by his third eye. You know what I mean. The one-eyed monster wearing the turtle. Listen, listen. We'll get to all the cut or uncut jokes to Hobocop here in a second, folks. Don't you worry. But um, but I do believe that cut that Hobocop sustained ultimately really, uh, really trivialized... Um, you know, uh, the doctor's call, maybe in his head, his own head there, had him second-guessing. Maybe I'd give him a leash because he can come back, which I hate that logic because it is it is very rare. It is unsafe. It does not yet justify, you know. I, I heard someone say that they were almost mad even though Hobocop pulled, they like Hobocop, and he pulled off the victory that that fight was allowed. That was just so gross, and I don't hate that take, folks. I don't hate that take. Um, bet, bet and pick a side. Um, just... On a, on a health and safety standpoint, right? So I will say that for the doctor, but I'm glad they did stop it. Um, and I will say this too, like, I don't know if we, we need to ask like a, a Mark Goddard or, you know, if uh, John McCarthy covered it in his weighing in podcast, but I usually net for cut stoppages. I, I like doing these uh, sprinkles too, because you net um, the post round for a later value, right? I referenced Nate Diaz versus uh, Jorge Masvidal that was stopped after round three, so it goes down in round four, even though round four um, never happened. But round four happened just as much as round four uh, or round five happened in Song Sanhagen, no? Because they do the right thing, like I say, where the doctor will try to butt in during uh, while the corner and cut man are doing their job, which I hate. And they'll even butt in at the very end of the window, which, again, you should give them the maximum window. And then as a better, you want to get the later round because it's more value. And I cited this specifically. So what they'll properly do is they'll let the cut man in the corners do their job before letting the doctor assess. Maybe maybe they'll let the timekeepers and commission know they're going to call time right when the round starts to get let the doctor let in it. But, again, the round clicks and they call time, right? Why would you call time if the round isn't back in? We just came from a timeout period. So therefore, shouldn't it be round five? But no, in Vegas, they went round four. But yet in New York, they went round, f uh, you know, they, they went, in, you know, you get what I'm saying. They went into the overflow round, so to speak. So um, I didn't cash as much because of that, but that sent me over, of course. I My dumb ass, like I forgot to put myself, uh, unmute myself. My dumbass. Um, also, um, I'm gonna write unmute. I'm gonna write that on the, the next page too, folks. Unmute. Um, but yeah, uh, my dumbass forgot to post the round, uh, the Sanhagen round flyers, which, of course, you guys knew where I was at because I, I said it on every medium possible, but I did not post it at the very end of the week, so. Apologies if that cost anybody because that's what ended up getting us over the finish line here. Even though they only gave us the round, what was it, the round four, not the round five, right? Um, but that was what, like 272 ducats for the 17? So that was, that took us over the, that took us over because we were just below, just like I think like the last two weeks in a row where we're like either break even slash technically losing weeks in one house, like, that's the good thing about not betting a lot is we're not losing a lot, folks. And uh, we got to win another win winning week this week so the, to to help stop the bleeding. So that's cool. So I, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I wish the main events, I wish the main events uh, were worth more, but that that 
extra 272 is worth uh, enough for me, whatever the plus 220, uh, 2200, or whatever that round prop was. Gregory Rodriguez, Hobo Cop, defeated Chidi Ninja Kawani. Um, Chidi Ninja Kawani almost, almost won by, uh, almost cashed our uh, 0.75 unit plus 205 play on Chidi by KO. Uh, although I didn't really get a chance to see too much of the ch too much of the checking left shots, Hobo Cop was just a bloody mess pushing through. Um, Hobo Cop would not be denied. He actually uses grappling to finish it off at the end there, and um, and props, man. I was just like laughing my ass off in, in disamazement the whole time. Uh, how can you not be happy for Hobo Cop? Uh, I know I picked and played Cheaty, but you guys know I'm a big fan of Hobo Cop. Um, that being said, I'm not gonna play revisionist history again. I didn't pick him, so I got to uh, I got to give a salute to my guy Brad Taschuk, who is currently uh, squad leader, driving the squad car, the Hobo Cop fan club, baby. You know that is until Hobo Cop uh, tries to teach him how to drive stick shift from the passenger side. Watch out, Brad! Uh, <laughs> hey, Hobo Cop, easy, Dan, easy. Uh, let's see what the chat is saying. Um, yeah, for it's been muted for twelve minutes. Yeah, apologies for that, Alvin. But uh, thank you for uh, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for answering my question, but I couldn't hear you were muted, my friend. Yeah, that's right. I'll I'll, I'll go back to hit that gin. Uh, I already I already touched on that one. Um, yeah, oh the gin. Basically, I'm saying don't uh, oh, those videos. Yeah, it's basically bad media, uh, bad technology. I don't want to say bad media because it's not even like media members half the time, right? But it's media medium. Due to the technology, we've seen that uh, things get taken out of context. That's what um, that's what Jin Karasu was talking about. People dedicating channels um, to certain fighters, specifically like Zhang Weili and the like. I just say it doesn't matter what it's about. If it's BS, just don't even interact with it. The way algorithms work, even if you want to dunk on it, like a quote tweet on Twitter, don't even dislike the video because um, that's giving it. Um, you know, even for those of you who dislike my videos, it's like you're actually helping me. Like. So for these videos, like, uh, don't even don't even touch them. That's the best way. That that, that is that was my answer uh, for that one, Jin Karasu. I believe you were one of the only ones that I answered. So I'll so I apologize. And there there that that one is uh back. Um, yeah, as the chat is saying, sound is off. Jersey Lee, apologies for that. No, it's not you, Jersey Lee. It's my dumbass. Um, Krumbopolis Rosen, what's up? Yep. Yeah, damn, we can't hear you. Yeah, I know. I, I apologize for that. Um, you're going to need to repeat everything you said. Yep, yeah, pretty much. Uh, should I repost my question? Thoughts on... We'll get to Loma's performance, James Kendrick. Um, shouts to Canelo for using body-centric strategy. You probably explained that much better than me, my man, Ghost Phantom. Uh, speaking of Neil Melanson, are you using the side cradle half guard to top? I love his cradle stuff, and yeah, I uh, I definitely implement as much cradle stuff as I can in general, especially, obviously, Neil's. That's where I got it from. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, are you familiar with 2019 uh, 88kg bronze medalist Josh Inger? No, I'm not. He was working with Zhang Weili in the lead-up to the Johanna rematch. Oh, wow. Okay, i have to look out for him. Good, good shot there, Jimmy Kudo. Um, da 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 Combropolis Rosen, what do you think of Corey Sanhagen using takedowns early? I think it was good, something I called for. Uh, when, whether or not he would be successful, it was more just making um, Song work um, and overload the reads. That being said, it didn't tire Song as much as we would think, so credit to Song there as well. Um, 
Ghost Phantom might always talk about the right straight to the body when you have your opponent squared up, circling to the fence. Why do you think we don't see it? Yeah, it's a great shot. Under It's very underutilized. Absolutely. He says Whaley used it in the regional scene. And same with Ioana during her title reign. And also with Badahari and kickboxing. Yeah, it's a fantastic fundamental shot. Not used enough. I try to remind myself to get those pot shots too. All right. Uh, since the chat is asking about our favorite fight. Okay, we'll get to the Zhang Whaley stuff. I try to get to the... the um, Uh, the UFC 260 questions. Why is cage cutting or cage positioning not worked on a lot in MMA? Uh, I'm not sure, but camps are getting smarter. For example, shouts to Eric Nixick. He sectioned off one of the octagons into like little triangles, and you kind of work your fractions in controlling your little squares. Um, you divvied it up into the octagon if you were to uh, divvy it up into those pizza slices. And uh, we did some drills actually the other week um, with it. It was really cool. So, shouts to the gyms implementing more of that. Um, here's one related. Oliver Gad. Ali Gad regarding cage cutting. Um, cage cutting, there's a great sequence toward the end of round three where Song is doing a decent job at cage cutting, but needs to plant his feet to generate power, and thus lets Sandy slam by. Yeah, it's a, it's a real art. It's really tough when you really start thinking about it. Um, why would people dislike your videos, Dan? Your analysis is always good. I don't know about it's always good, but I appreciate it. You're too kind. Uh, yeah, but Hobo Cop, congratulations to everybody who cashed on the ticket there. Um, <clears throat> Andre Feely defeated Bill Algio. Uh, yeah, 29, 28, 29, 28, 28, 28, 29. Um, yeah, I, I, I disagree with the uh, scorecard for Bill Algio. I'm a big Bill Algio fan. In fact, I'm surprised we didn't see more 30 for 3027 feelies. I know my guy Aaron Bronstetter, I believe, had that card live. Um, and I don't blame anybody that came up with that card after re recently rewatching rounds two and three. Rounds two is close. I know Algio has a good finish to it. But boy, does Feely land some really good shots throughout, including toward the end of the round himself, including a really hard um, liver kick side from the southpaw stance. Body kick. It's flush. Um... So I don't hate that, and uh, of course, uh, I was just more upset with the takes of just, again, folks, just like we saw with the Shevchenko-Santos and so on and so forth, it's like, you know, as well with the, uh, take a shot, Dan's talking about Ketlin Vera, Yannis Kuniskaya, where we're just overly crediting, we're overcorrecting the steering wheel here from, like, the lay and pray era of the sport that has been long gone, but um, we're overcorrecting the steering wheel with strikes from when you're punching behind you, literally punching behind you from a non-leveraging position, not just a non-leveraging position for strikes, but the most disadvantageous position you could possibly be in in a fight. A position that's very hard to earn. A position that needs to be respected. A position that you could finish the fight from, from both strike submissions to inadvertent submissions like a body triangle. It was just damn silly. Um, I appreciate MMA hipster arguments. I know people were trying to play devil's advocate. Um, someone shouted my guy Sean Sheehan saying something about like uh, uh, Sean saying something about body triangles over strikes. Now, I don't know what the context that was in. That's why I didn't respond to that tweet. I don't want to respond to someone that's taking someone out of context or therefore in return me take someone out of context. I don't want to do that to my guy Shawnee. 
But what I will say is that th those of us who have been in body triangles or applied them, really, it really does suck. But you don't even have to resort to that answer of like, go experience it or whatever for, for those who are not feeling my response here. Um, all you really simply have to do is ask yourself, how many fights have you seen finished from the guy who has his back taken? How many fights have you seen finished from the person taking the back? In fact, we'll take away the rear naked choke. We'll take away armbar and arm triangle transitions. We'll take away flattening them out and forcing the referee to stop them with strikes. We'll take away elbows and all the like because of that is such a goddamn dominant position, okay? I'll even take that away. We'll just go, like, like the person who tweeted me, body triangle versus the strikes. How many fights have we seen finished by the body triangle? We've seen a bunch. In fact, you know, you should be thinking of of even some of the most high-level fighters and the most high-level organizations and the most technical high-level divisions like lightweight, like former champions like Anthony Pettis and Dustin Poirier. You can tell me those guys don't know what they're doing? You can tell me those guys just, just, just tap because they're, you know... Yeah, I know Anthony Pettis has, you know fragility issues as far as like I don't mean that in a disrespectful way but just you know his, his, his body is definitely falling apart on him but I mean those are real fight finishing positions that we've seen in other fights as well um, get finishes so you know on the high level throughout the time continuum so to even have the argument is, is just silly it's just silly they were non-leveraging shots they may look bad or the blood the blood was coming from Algio. That was part of it. Uh, and Algio, it's no disrespect to Algio, too. It's like, what is what the hell is Algio supposed to do? He can't get out of it. Not just because he's not talented. Algio's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, that's how he was able to, a big part of why he was able to survive. Um, he got his arm broken in the fight, Algio did. So all he could do was just kind of hang tough and do that. So I am not blaming that. Hats off to Bill Algio. I gave him respect before the fight, during, after. I'm keeping that same energy. All respect to Aljo, but 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 no respect to this argument of what Aljo was doing should win him around. That's just this is this is ridiculous. I don't know how we got here. You know, I don't know how we went from laughing at um, Matt Mitrione for punching Brendan Schaub when he's stuck in the arm triangle for opting for that for his defense. Uh, wow, someone's gonna clip that, even though there's plenty of me doing the old Dan Tom. Jeff Rooney there. Uh, you know, how do we go from rightfully making fun of people striking while caught in submissions to going, I think they won the round, maybe. Hey. Hey. Who needs to escape jiu-jitsu? Like, why don't you just stay in a disadvantaged position? You know, like, there's a reason why there's this shameful tone why, like, you know, go to Taito Ivasa when he's mounted by JDS for the finish. And when they go, oh, God, Ty's punching back. They're saying it in that tone because it's embarrassing. It's almost borderline embarrassing. It's like you don't know what it, it means. You don't know what to do, and you're you're, you're probably gonna get finished, and you're definitely losing the fight. So to go from there to like, I think he's winning the fight. <laughs> How the fuck do we get here, folks? Explain that one. Explain that one. Anyways, uh. There we go. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Uh, you guys have a lot of comments on this too, so so let's go here. 
Uh, my man Ramundo. I had Chidi round one and Corey round three. Oh, so close, man. Oh, I feel you, Ramundo. I feel you, man. Ah, oh, I feel. I thought I was gonna cash that Chidi ticket too. I was driving when that fight was going and like, oh, Bob Cops got a massive cut. Oh my goodness. And I, I was like, I was like, okay, cool. I, I'll, I'll catch up on this later. I think the TKO. Either uh, Chidi's gonna finish that momentum, or the or the, or the the doctor will stop this one. I, I just cashed my plus two hundred, and I just kept driving. I just read the result later. I'm like, how did he win? Uh, so I feel you, Ramundo. Um, we go, uh, Jimmy Kudo. Um, Dan, what do you think of fans like me who gamble but like to listen to your podcast, pick up techniques for sparring, just so I can use it on other hobbies? I think that's awesome, man. Let me know if anything works, by the way, particularly for you, Jimmy Kudo. Keep us updated, my brother. Um, Oliver Gad, back on topic, says, I feel like there's been a bit of an overcorrection regarding damage versus control. There has been, absolutely. And another part of that I want to say is that the striking when they're in these positions, folks, it's also silly because... It's a sign of frustration. And a sign of frustration falls under fighting spirit. And no, not the Modelo fighting spirit. But again, if you want to be contrarian, hipster, uh, criteria nerd about it, fighting spirit is a metric that is measured and listed and accounted for in the criteria. And when you dominate someone from a dominant position, I know that we've heard DC and other respectable analysts get things like control wrong and actually overvalue that in comparison to the overvaluing against it, leaving us in a fucked up no man's land where common sense and the middle ground seems to be lost out the window now. Um, but control, one of the things control does do is, is to the criteria nerds, you're right to point out to people that are like in the old school mindset, like control doesn't mean you're, you're doing damage. If you're not doing damage, you're doing yourself a disservice. That is true. But there is something else about control, particularly from like really dominant positions, like body triangles, backs, um, the Dagestani handcuff, you know, quarter mount, three quarter mounts rides, right? Is that it breaks down your fighting spirit, man. Those of us who've been there, we don't like to admit it, but there's times where we've wanted to tap just by positions, exhaustion taps. Uh, veterans of us who have been around for a while, we get back in it, we're just getting worked from a position, right? We've all been there. It's not prideful. It's not some. It's very shameful, but it's there. That is fighting spirit. And making someone flail and frustrated—that's diminishing their fighting spirit. So that is. It needs to be accounted for. Does it? Does it equal ten points to a damaging strike to one? Like no, I'm not. I'm not out here spouting this nonsense. No. But it needs to be accounted for. Um. And that I will say, if you if you want to challenge in that, then I will pull the card. Well, go get into the position. How many times have you been in the position? How many times have you been body triangled? How many times have you body triangled somebody? How many times have you broke someone's will? How many times have you had your will broken? You got to experience these things to understand. Um, dun, 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 dun. Ghost Phantom, why do you think MMA media like to overvalue non-leveraging shots? Is it because they don't know? Or they don't know because they've never been ex experienced it. Again, this is the, what I've been kind of touching on, and I hate to be like that guy who pulls that card. But sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I do wonder that, you know, sometimes. Um, but I, I hate using. I feel like that's the laziest criticism that gets thrown at all of us. You know, gets thrown at the judges, and I know the judges are real big into grappling. A lot of them are very experienced. A lot of them used to fight, right? From from your Herb Deans to Mark Goddard's of the world. 
Um, I believe Eric Cologne, I believe, fought as well. A bunch of them did. So um, I, I be careful when, when we laud that crit- critique toward whether your media, especially especially you know uh, judges and commission members, because a lot of them come from that world that are still actively participating at running schools or teaching or participating themselves at a higher level because they love it. There's no other reason why you would do that job is because you is because you love it. I'm not trying to be some defender of them. I'm just saying that something to keep in mind, right? Back to that respect and keeping things in mind. But yes, to your point, Ghost Phantom, I gotta wonder how many how many people, you know, could could, could use that lesson, right? Um. Oliver Gad, I I think it definitely raised an interesting question uh, around slappy ground strikes versus unsuccessful sub sub attempts, but yeah, always kills me when guys start punching behind them. Yep, it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Um, James Kendrick, someone said this the other week, but Dan, your picks are not always correct, but it's a hard sport to call. People should just appreciate your work and dedication from it. Oh, I appreciate that. It is tough. Um. That's another reason why, I like you know, yeah, well, well, it's all good to make make jokes and poke fun, and 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 uh, my guy Gianni has fun with it too. But uh, that's another reason why you guys haven't been seeing me, you know, pile on to uh, to Gianni every Tuesday, right? Who, by the way, swept all those picks. So shout outs to the Greek gambler sweep, making a clean sweep uh, this past Tuesday. But you know, uh, someone was asking me about that, and I was someone was like, oh, yeah, that, you, why don't you do? And I'm like, I don't know if I would want that job to be honest. That's a tough job. Get on there and make picks on something as volatile as contender series like i know i know i know johnny was on like a legendary streak there for a second but to be honest man i mean i'm not too far away from you know my streak was never any you know sure my streak wasn't you know anything anything like that but i went on a real bad streak uh in the middle of this year folks so i'm i am not i am not throwing stones in glass houses here uh but i do appreciate the kind words um Oliver Gad, Ty punching back from the bottom mount was really rough. Always feel like Ty had a few escape drills. If they, uh, always feel like Ty has a few escapes that if he drills, and if they get stuffed, then he looks a little lost. He has improved, but yeah, that was earlier Ty for sure. All right, um, we'll get to the rest there, but uh, I want to blow through these results. But yeah, I, I one last year. Uh, my favorite UFC commentary-ism is a pretty clear round being contested on the feet after the losing fighter gets a takedown. With 15 seconds left, and the commentary goes, that's huge, that could steal the round. Yeah, I think they're, I want to think from here on out they're going to be better about that. But that is, that was, that's that was been a classic one for a long, long time, to be fair. Uh, Joe Pfeiffer, B. Joe Pfeiffer defeated Alan Amadovsky. Fortunately for Amadovsky, he was set up here, you know. Uh, it's pretty clear. Pfeiffer round one cashed. For plus 110, that was nice. And uh, the under, which was very reasonable price. You could have let bet the house on that, minus 169. For the under 1.5 there. Mm. Our coffee. Oof. Chest. Um, yeah, no surprise there. You know me, I'm not like a big, uh, shout out to my, my chronic combat conversations, guys. I'm not a big guy in the narrative stuff, or I try not to be, but... How could you not be? I mean, you know this was a clear narrative spot where they weren't going to let Pfeiffer lose after um, Dana White goes off. You know, he likes to do his, in case you don't know, now you know. And, like, 
I told you. Like I've talked about those spots before. They're going to do everything they can to hype up those spots. They're going to be dead silent when those spots fail, and they're going to rub. It, he's going to tweet and rub it back in your face when the guy he called out wins. Right? Every time. Every time. <clears throat> and this was the most clearest one. I mean, especially here after he was buying buying the dude's uh, apartment and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Rodrigo Nascimento defeated Tanner Bowser. Um, you know, Tanner fought with the urgency he called for, but man, the size difference was bigger than even I expected. And uh, once he was able to get him on the ground, he was able to ride it out. Um, I don't blame anybody for being hipster trying to give it to Tanner, but, uh, you know, it was dead for me. De dead in the water either way for me. So, uh, I, uh, it was a miss, but I will say, and some of you tweeted me and gave me credit, at Tanner Bowser, best round was in the second. You know, there was a part where Rodrigo Nascimento, after grappling heavy in the first, like I told you guys last week, he was going to have to put down the pack, and Bowser's best chance was going to be to get him out of there in the second. So, you know, again, the picks were wrong. Uh, the pick and play was wrong there, but the analysis was, was fairly spot on in my defense. But, again, it doesn't matter. Analysis can be right. A wrong pick is a wrong pick, and a wrong play is a wrong play. It does not pay. So uh, the round two was close for that round, Rob, and that would have been huge. But uh, no, negative. It was not meant to be. Um, <clears throat> of course, uh, what was on the round, Robin? We'll, we'll get to the other hit. The Pfeiffer under. Uh, Chidi by KO almost hit. It was not meant to be. This almost hit was not meant to be. Hernandez defeated Mark andre Berriou. Uh Wow. Uh, pile driver and the work, separated rib, all that stuff. I hope Mark andre recovers, man. That is rough. But good for Fluffy Hernandez, man, who's on a roll and really, really, you know, uh, had a coming out party of sorts, if you will. Um, it's funny how, it's funny for how homophobic, you know, some of the, uh, a big majority of the fan base can be. It's really, this really is a gay sport, isn't it? I mean, we, 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 everything sounds gay. The phrasing's gay. The phraseology is gay. Everything is gay, you know? It's just coming from behind and, uh, Jesus, Dan, all right, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, you know? Like, Patty Pimblett, you know? Gayest walkout in MMA. I mean, seriously, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I'm not hating. It's just... It's fantastic. I mean, you like go back and watch Patty Pimblett's walkout, folks, and tell me it's not like the, the the you know the queen bee coming out for for the party, you know, just like the star of the show, like like you know you know you're gonna see you're gonna see the dude who kissed BJ Penn on the walkout come out of nowhere and just give give Patty a a big one on the lips one of these days. But yeah, um, Fluffy Hernandez had his coming out party is what I was trying to say. Um, good stuff for him. Uh, Damon Jackson, Walt Goggins, baby. I didn't even get a chance to get a Walt Goggins joke, and he's making us all cry with the upset. I'm, uh, apologies for those who backed Patty Sabatini. I know I'm enthusiastic with Patty Sabs, and I wanted to play him. Ended up staying away, which was a good thing um, that I didn't add the Pat Sabatini by decision because he got, got out of there in the first round. So, wow. But even if he did play it, how can you be mad, right? Because, I mean, man, oh, I was, uh, I was dusted up. I feel like I'm extra emotional. You know, uh, right now, anyways, uh, as I get older, the head trauma, competing, again, like my, you know, dieting, all these things, I, I am really emotional right now. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely was, uh, got dusty-eyed, man, and uh, was very happy for Damon Jackson and his family. Just that roller coaster, watching his family, I don't know how they could have been there, just putting themselves through watching a family member fight after losing one. So... 
so happy for Damon Jackson, his family, and his team. Uh, and and shouts to Patty Savs, man. He'll bounce back. He's he's still a young guy. Still a lot of talent. A lot of good people around him. I'm sure he'll bounce back. Uh, Jay Giles, Trevin Giles defeated Luis Koski. I listened to a bunch of podcasts recap this, um, and up until just reading the result right now, I keep forget it's so in one ear and out the other. And I was even just listening to the Depressus earlier today, and like they forgot who won, and like yeah, I can't tell you anything about this fight. Um, we had a Loma Lookbo me question. Loma Lookbo me defeated Denise Gomes. Um, I saw some of this fight in and out. Um, we had a question on it earlier. Let's uh, bring it back up. Someone was asking about Loma. Who was asking about regarding cutting? Apologies, guys. I'm all over the place today. Um, yeah, I didn't. I thought I saw a Loma question. Apologies if I missed it. I'll try to. I'll try to find it. She did the about that Muay Thai swagger, where she like got caught and uh, got like tackled and almost costed her. But I really liked her elbows. Um, Denise Gomez tried to overwhelm her with some physicality. But yeah, I really it reminded me of like uh, Uriah Faber in the guard, or like even like a miniature Tito Ortiz. Tito Ortiz had some really nasty elbows in the guards, folks. I know he he is known for more uh, ignominious uh, things these days, but the guy knew how to elbow some people in the guard. All right. So Mary Rui, what's up? I've heard that WMMA is different than MMA. Is there a difference, or are people just being unreasonable? Um, I mean it. It's the same sport. I I, I don't know what difference is talking about. Maybe more just like the elephant in the room difference that it's it's you know um, I've always referred to it like. WMMA, it's it's not in the speaking of Tito, it's not it's no longer in the Tito and Chuck era that it was in with like uh, you know Rousey post Rousey ish. I would say that was more like WMMA's like Tito or Chuck if they were going through their own version of the timeline and their own evolution, um, which they are. Now you can either use it to disparage them or to give them the proper acknowledgement or at least individual acknowledgement which they deserve. Right? Not saying they don't deserve to be treated as a whole. I mean, look at it. They're included in the same cards. They're even in the UFC. Uh, we see how far even Dana White himself has come. Uh, you look at the pay scale in and out of the UFC. Uh, the women actually, you know, they're doing they're doing better than a lot of the guys. So it's um, not saying you know MMA is a bastion for equality. I mean, you know, whether we're talking about you know women, uh, LGBTQ. Uh, POC, it's got a long way to go in a lot of categories. It's not it's not the most friendly still, but I'm just saying as far as there are some, on the other side, there are some very undeniable uh, progressive facts about it, if you will. Uh, and I know pay is not a popular one because they're all underpaid, right? Um, but I will say that there are, are women that are pulling better paychecks in and out of the UFC than, than, than a lot of the men. Um, so it all depends on perspective, right? Uh, I, I guess I, I would say Mary Rui as far as um, the difference. Um, can some people be unreasonable with it? Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, you got you to gotta look, see if they're being tongue-in-cheek, tongue if they're just, you know, trying to be comedic about it or if they're being serious. And, if, again, 
kind of like I said with to uh, a question my, my my guy Jin's question earlier. If you see just nonsense, just don't even interact with it. Don't even bother. Don't don't give it the time of day on the algorithm, Mary. Um, Mark Fellows, my man, Mark. Oh, we're live. Good day, DT. I was indisposed earlier. So was I. Uh, I was muted earlier, Mark. So you didn't miss anything. Just ask the chat. <laughs> Look up for the 15 minutes that I put them through. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was like you think I'm. You think I'm doing it on purpose at this point? Like, like is Dan Tom Andy Kaufman? Is he just doing stand-up sets to just to just to troll us at this point? He's gonna go on here. I'm just gonna be muted for the first 15 minutes. Get rid of all the trolls. So I filter out only the hardcores who are just feel that bad for me at that point, right? That is and that is my key key demo. <clears throat> um all right uh speaking about talking about respect i've seen the build up to the fight last week but damon jackson was overlooked and made fun of so good to see him win yeah he was definitely overlooked um <clears throat> i don't know if he was made fun of i know i definitely i don't even make my, my my walt goggin jokes if you want to count that as making fun of the guy but it's always in respect uh, of course, it's more just you know me. If, if I can't help but do the doppelganger thing, like uh, I do doppelgangers for everybody. That's that's my game. It's it's fun. So it's completely in respect. But I, I see what you mean, and I totally feel good for him as well, James. Or uh, yeah. All right. Um, let's finish up this. Trey Ogden defeated Daniel Zelhuba. That was a popular parlay piece. Again, I'm glad I avoided that, but I feel for everybody that took it. Um, Zelhuba, man. Um, again. I heard nothing about good, good, good things. I was, I myself was high on what I saw of the kid, but you know, I don't know if it was octagon shock or what. But uh, props to Trey Ogden, man. I felt good for Trey Ogden pulling off the upset, and uh, you know, of course, I feel for everybody who um, <clears throat> lost some on Zell Huber, but hopefully he'll be back. Um, Jillian Robertson defeated Maria uh, Agapova. Uh, this one, man. Oh, I felt, I felt this one in my heart, not just because I bet it, but like again. Back to me being more emotional and calling out my biases because they're a little more lively because I'm perhaps more emotional, right? This was another fight where it was you have athletic striker versus non-athletic uh, submission grappler. Uh, yeah, I I obviously sentimented with this with this a lot. You know, I I obviously projected and saw a lot of my own current challenges within this fight. Not just the bet. So, like, I was on pins and needles watching this one live. And uh, it definitely had some ups and downs, but uh, Robertson eventually got the job done as ugly as it might have looked from the Agapova side. But uh, that cashed and therefore cashed two out of the three legs. You know, I think it ended up paying, what, like 62 or something? Um, those two legs put together the under and the submission prop plus the 17 back. So we only got like, what, maybe three quarters back of what you invested in the round robin. But we ended up getting it all back by the end of the night because we also played the submission straight up, plus 240.275. And even if we got it at the lower rate, at the plus 140 in the other houses, the Corey Sanhagen round props um, still pushed us over along with the Pfeiffer round props by the end of the night, right? So <coughs> that was nice. Javid Basharat defeated Tony Gravely. Didn't watch too much of this one. Basharat came through. As well as Nicholas Mota defeated Cameron Van Camp. Shout out to the offspring of my man, Aaron Bronstetter, who was on that one, I believe. Um, Ali Gad, live it at Rainbow Shorts, but love it when Patty gets his ass out at Wayne's. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Patty, Patty is a, is a character. Uh 
I uh, I relate to the eating, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Rosen. Rosen. Uh, oh, thank you. Oh, he said, uh, he goes, since you mentioned wrong pick is a wrong pick, uh, why do I see other analysts who get picks wrong try to defend their analysis when they are wrong? I respect what you do when you are wrong and admit it. Oh, I really appreciate that. He adds, it shows you are willing to learn, which makes you very good. I appreciate that. And th that is the attitude. That's the martial arts attitude I try to apply. So you're spot on there. I can't speak for other analysts, gamblers, whatever you want to say it. But I will say it's a business, man, especially those of them, th them who put themselves in the business and treat it that way. And I'm not saying that as shade because I should be doing it more, to be honest. You guys hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it's a reality. I should watch what I say more. I should be more presentable. I should be more professional. I should pad my desk. I should pad my. I'm not saying other people do, but I'm just saying, like, as far as any of these things, whether you're reason, whether you're like outright padding, or whether you're feathering your nest, so to speak, for your falls, I should probably be doing this a lot more. It's smart strategy. Um, whether you're selling something or not, whether you're just trying to justify your position or trying to sell yourself to get to a position, that's what we're essentially doing, right? We're out there, we're in the public eye, whether we're tweeting or doing a live song and dance like I'm doing for you now, very poorly, mind you. Um, that's what we're doing, and that's what they're doing. That's really all I can say. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, even though I could use more of the business savvy, yeah, I don't, I feel like it's more honest and more valuable to you and more valuable to me at the end of the day, if I'm honest, where my shortcomings are. Um, it's not easy. It's not fun. It's not popular. Doesn't produce as much immediate results. That's for dang sure. Maybe even not produce as much long-term results as I'm listing off all these negatives, but I feel like it's the air quote right way if there is such a thing. Um, just try to be honest as possible and learn as much as possible. So yeah, and uh, you know, so that, that, that that's that's my answer. I'm, I can't I can't shit on anybody else or tell you why they do things. I can just tell you why I, I try. Not perfect. I try to do things. So thank you for the acknowledgement. Um, what are your thoughts on Usman saying that it would be? Uh, sorry, I made this a little bigger. <laughs> that's what he said to she said. Uh, sorry. What are your thoughts on Usman saying that it would be sad to see Zhang Weili walking around with the belt when everyone knows that wrote Rose bested her twice? Uh, if he did say that, that's, I don't know the context. Out of context, um, I think he's just saying that because Rose is his girl and he trains with Trevor, so I'll give him that benefit of the doubt um, as to that's why he's saying it, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's sad at all. Um, we've seen MMA have such weird MMA math results. Some people just have certain people's numbers. It doesn't really take away from their greatness or legacy, right? Um, we'll talk about Max Holloway, Jose Aldo here uh, before we get out of here in a second. Um, there's a repost. Thoughts on Loma Look Beast's performance. Shouldn't it be easier to fight low-level comp if Loma is sparring and wrestling with Wei Li? But she had a hard time in some spots. I, I want to say... This Denise girl, she recently fought a contender series, so I believe she fought on short notice. So again, fighting someone on short notice can just make all the difference in the world if you're preparing. 
for a certain fighter as well as styles make fights, right? So I do want to give Loma that out. And not to continue and harp on the size thing or continually make that an out, but it does continually make um, make her fights harder than they should be because she's just so undersized even for straw weight. Um, all right. There you go. Dan reposted the question about Loma. Thank you, James. I was looking for that. Um, Oliver Gad, I think WMA is definitely newer and less of a talent pool. But Strawweight is banging. I agree. Strawweight is the best uh, of those divisions. Uh, no offense to the other ones. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of the other divisions evolve and grow. Me too. Hopefully some Atomweight action. Um, all right. Uh, let me see. Did I finish this? Uh, yep, I finished the uh, the breakdown there. All right. 111. Uh, 10. I want to get to uh, Bellator uh, 185 real quick and just some thoughts on Josie Aldo, then I'll finish up with your questions. Uh, Bellator is going down in Dublin, Ireland. Um, check out the Action Network. We posted some some bets uh, for some of the top fights, um, which I will touch on and shout the appropriate peeps. Uh, I believe my guy Billy Ward. Shout out to Billy Ward there. Uh, Psycho, out Psycho Ward, I believe, on Twitter. Um, he likes Benson Henderson at minus 190, who headlines against Peter Queeley. What did uh, old Bendo uh, open at? Speaking of WEC alum still doing it, minus 240. So you're getting him at a discount, you know, in toward playable chalk range. Um, I haven't been catching up with too much with uh, with, with Henderson or, or Queeley. Um, can you squeeze out one from the old vet? Does his fighting in close style, does it bite him in the butt or does it save his butt, right? There's always that question. And I'm not as familiar with Peter Queeley. Again, you want to check out people like over the Severe MMA podcast. Uh, we're going to give you, uh, frankly, the best coverage on the Irish MMA stuff like this. So uh, shouts to them. I know they got uh, Harry Powell, BJJ, does good analysis work. And I believe even friend of the show, our guy there, Spencer Kite, uh, does does work over there with the Severe squad. So I definitely want to give credit where it is due. Um and shout them for all the things that I'm missing here. But, uh, yeah, I don't blame anybody liking the Henderson chalk, too. Um, speaking of chalk, Yoel Romero minus 700 for a guy who never even seems sure what, what how many rounds he's fighting these days against Malvin Manhoof, plus 510. Uh, all five, nine of him, five, eight of him, uh, fighting at 205, loading up on Thai food. Uh, uh, I saw on one of the media spots there. Um yeah, man. I know my guy uh, Ben Folks likes uh, Romero round two, which is sneaky because, again, it's probably going to be a feeling out period in round one. And I know Romero round three is the magic number. You'll probably get a nicer number on that. But I don't know if it goes that far. So perhaps round two is the sweet sweet spot in the 400 plus 450 range. Uh, maybe I'll sprinkle 20 bucks. I don't want to see again in honor of the co-main event podcast podcasters plays. Um Liam McCourt plus 115. Dana Silva, I believe, someone from Action Network. I don't know if it was my guy Clint McLean uh, who fought on the Contender Series as Doppelganger did anyways, or my guy Dan Stupp. But Liam McCourt opened as a favorite, now is underdog. So for the value argument alone, you need not research. You can just take that if you are really feeling froggy for some Bellator dogs. But I don't know about this Diana Silva. Perhaps money came on her for a reason. I did not research it, so I'm sorry to be of no help there. My play, of course, and my insight uh, is Mads Burnell, minus 560. I know, surprise, surprise, Dan's on a big favorite, 
But considering the way Bellator favorites are priced, where they'll have minus 1,000s for people you never freaking heard of in your life, um, I do like Mads Burnell. Um, my stated extreme couture bias and stated Mads Burnell bias, um, as I've spent some time talking and hanging with him a bit this camp, aside, I would honestly end up at this spot anyways. I've been a big Mads Burnell fan regardless. Um, cashed some dog tickets with him back in the day when people were hating and uh, he's really proved his worth even in losing efforts, fight of the year losing efforts against Adam Borix. Um, just proving me and the rest of the uh, analyst nerds right about Mads Burnell. Whereas Pedro Carvalho, I got familiar with him doing an in-depth on him when I broke him down ahead of his fight with Patricio Pitbull uh, Fieri. Uh, so that's how I'm familiar with Pedro, who uh, is really improved, you know, training between Portugal and SBG Ireland. Um, Throw some heavy kicks from the southpaw stance, can switch, but really likes to fight from the southpaw stance. I think he's going to go to that a lot here, especially with grappling being more organic, and he can do some really good grappling as far as floating and scrambling, can finish from an RNC, really you know good from the back position is Carvalho, but um, I doubt he wants to be shooting on a guy with a Japanese necktie and a front headlock like Mads Burnell. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of striking, and... And Mads, I can't say, I'm not allowed to say what he's going to be doing in this fight, but uh, I'll say this, he's going to unveil something that he hasn't done yet, and holy crap, um, if you guys are a fan of my analysis, you'll maybe understand this hint, he's going to do what Southpaws hate, there's nothing more Southpaws hate than this, Mads has never done this before, and I've Watching him do it and watching him do it live, it's like he's fought this way his whole career and he hasn't. And it's it's just amazing. So I'm I'm very excited to see if um how he approaches and if he's able to pull this off. Uh I'm very confident he will be able to. Um and let's just say that it's within the striking realm if you're not already catching these hints, which is scaring me away from the submission prop. And which is weird because my vague, purposely vague inside info that I'm not giving purposely aside here, the lines reflect that Mads is more likely to get a knockout than a submission. If not, depending on what house you look in, it's roughly at an even number. But if you look at Mads's record, he's like nine submission wins and only one TKO win. Like this guy's a submission guy. You could totally see a club and sub. It's absolutely on the table. Carvalho could get hurt, and then he shoots in to a sub, and Mads is great finishing from Guillotine's front headlocks, right? Um, so I'm not saying not to go bet the sub. I'm just saying I got scared away from it with the approach that I see happening in this fight. Uh, and it's just kind of odd that the odds would reflect that. But uh, the way they do stack up is these guys are, you know, more do or die as far... They're more do on the Mads side and more... I guess more of the die on the, the Carvalho side. But yeah, most of these guys are either finish or getting finished kind of deals. Uh, more, more more finishes than decisions on their record on each side of it and overall. So what I did was I bet Mads Burnell inside the distance um, at the one house I could. You could find it at sell plus money like DraftKings and stuff. Uh, I got it at Bet Online where they don't make you choose, Parker, choose! Uh, um, and I took it inside the distance at plus 100. I just maxed it out. Depend, whatever you can max out. I think bet online only like lets you max out for 250. 
And I was thinking about dumping up, backing up the dump truck back when Mads was like minus 400 to minus 422. But even then, it was like, you know, I could do one of these like fake tout, which I would actually really do it, like a 10 unit. I was just dropping 10 units on his money line. But it's like I would have only made like, you know, what, two and a half units back at like minus four something odds. And now he's well over minus 500. I'm not doing that. So I just took um, inside the distance. Um, I may look for some. If I, if I, there's plenty of chalk to parlay him with. I haven't looked into it, um, to be honest. Uh, I'll look into it more. Um, shoot, maybe I'll go reference, uh, see what the uh, the parlay players of the world are doing. Shouts to the guys like the uh, CJ Saftics of the world and stuff. See what they're up to. But uh, no, I haven't really researched anything myself, folks. Uh, I'm just throwing out um, uh, people who deserve shouts and references who could perhaps help you maybe um, and giving you guys what I got and what I can give you. I can't give you everything, but I like Mads here a lot. So any of the big gamblers who follow me, for what that's worth. I like Mads a lot. If you have anybody you like on this card or in other sports, other other big chalk pieces, uh, that's what I would look to tie Mads to. Uh, the rest of the fight, not too much there. You got uh, Georgie Karakhanian at uh, minus 175 odds. He came down from minus 2 to 1, so money coming in on Kane Musa. <clears throat> um, who else we got here? Brian Moore, minus 365, Irish staple there. Um, oh, you got my guy Brett Johns, minus 740, Jesus. Yeah, Romero, my, Jesus, this is just big chalk on this card. Um, I'm not too familiar with this. Again, go shouts, shouts to the Sphere MMA guys. They'll, they'll probably get you guys bet, better for a uh, Bellator preview of the sort here. All right, 121. That was Bellator. Uh, I'm going to clean up a little bit on the chat, and then we'll uh, leave on some thoughts on Jose Aldo. Uh, Jimmy Kudo, thoughts on the exploitive thing Dana White Contender Series is doing? Cheap talent for 10 and 10, uh, and mediocre, uh, and place on mediocre cards. Y yeah, it's, um, I've spoken about this before. I'm, I know Contender Series is my beat, but it doesn't, it's no disrespect to the fighters, and, I love it because it gives other people talent, uh, talent a chance, like Laura Sanko, who's freaking amazing, and she needs to be on big broadcasts. My guy Justin Bernard, who's killing it in the ring announcing. Uh, Dan Helley, who does a great job and deserves uh, some more work time, along with Brendan Fitzgerald, who, of course, I love, and the man himself, John Anik, of course. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm not hating on, on, on guys like 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 uh, like, like, like Johnny. Uh, you know, or, or you know, or whatever. But it's just, it is really tough to ignore that uh, what it, what it's doing to the labor market perspective. Like, I definitely don't want to sound like that guy. It sounds troublesome. You know, cheap labor. Like, whoa, red flags. What's Dan gonna? What is Dan Gizzi getting into economics and pot? Relax, folks. I'm not getting. I'm not going there. And that's not. That's not me. But as far as the MMA, MMA, uh, the MMA, uh, you know, uh, the MMA. Um, the UFC uh, roster goes and the health of it. Yeah, it's clear what's going on here, and it's killing negotiation leverages for fighters on the upper level who deserve to really may take that next step and get paid more. And fighters coming in are, are doing well compared to what they're getting on the regional scene. But uh, but again, overall and from many metrics, is it still what they're due, and what is it doing 
uh, higher up the food chain, right? Um, a lot of these cards are looking like contender series cards, and it's 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 tough. You really got to parse and pick out what you want to choose. And I'm not hating on these fighters getting these opportunities um, and and whatnot. Even the 17 year old kid, you know, that people are making an uproar. My guy Ben Folks made a great point. Like, believe me, I'm I'm all about highlighting, you know had trauma costs and uh, getting too excited about things. Believe me, I'm usually that guy, right? But at the same time, how many kids his age across the country are getting irreparable head trauma, even dying, you know, in, 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 a, in a popular sport called American football? You know, we don't bat an eye about that, you know? So um, I'm not... That's why you didn't see me flipping out too much about the, the Raul Rosas Jr. Um, talk. But yeah, as far as, you know... You know the uh, the contracts and 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 stuff. It's the situation there. I don't like what it's doing, man. And I don't expect other people to see that or do that math or expect them to or want them to ruin their day or their source of entertainment by doing that math. But yeah, I do do the math. And um, yeah, this series has been burning me out for many reasons. If we're being honest, I know it's my job to cover it, but I gotta tell you guys, I'm gonna be honest here, whether it's good or not. Um, Dan, do you have interesting clinch entries from Southpaw? I'm trying to get more interesting clinch entries from Southpaw, but I'm not going to give them away here in case uh, any uh, any future opponents are watching. Just kidding. Shouts to my guy, Justin. Um, I'll forget. I feel like analysts can defend the wrong picks because they're saying, because what they're saying about a matchup isn't necessarily wrong. People bring in new looks to fights in order to win an unfavorable matchup. Yeah, there's that too. There's that too. I definitely have fallen into that category, right? For sure. I've been on my soapbox more often than not. So, I, again, I can't hate. Um, Krumbopolis Rosen. Yes, you bring up great points, but I believe that honesty is always good. Me too. Uh, I guess getting defensive is probably a poor showing, though. Feels like in order to be an analyst, you've got to accept that this sport is incredibly silly all the time and not get attached. That is incredibly good, uh, a good point. Yes, that is a very good point. You are spot on. Uh, Bellator 285 question from Makato. Is UL versus Melvin manipulative BS from Bellator? Melvin is a welterweight. Melvin's a grown man. He wants to do what he wants to do. He's. I think he's resignated himself to these kind of matchups and is done with it. It's going to be his retirement fight. As far as Bellator, they've been doing this stuff. You know, it's, it's tough, man. You want to get you you want to give him crap about Dada five thousand and the Kimbos in that era especially for sure, um, but it's hard because a they haven't gotten that bad but not just not that gotten that bad in their defense they've gotten a lot better about developing and and um, their cards from top to bottom from undercards and not just like recycled like homegrown and just uh, up and coming fighters investing into the wrestlers so I. I can't hate too much. This is at least old guy versus old guy. So, you know, at least there's that, right? That's like the best we can ask for these days when we see these elder statesmen competing. As a guy who's going to fight someone a decade younger than him. Mikado says, what is Melvin doing fighting Corey Anderson and Yoel Romero back-to-back? -back? Yeah, the Corey Anderson fight was ridiculous. That one was, oof. What are we doing there? You're absolutely right on that one. Uh, Ghost Phantom Dan... Uh, I know what you're talking about with Mads Burnell. 
the dreaded southpaw double attack, especially when the orthodox fighter slips to the open side. We we will see. We, we will have to see. Burnell knows his stuff too, and so do you, sir. Jimmy Kudo, are you going uh, to go back to some of the uh, Zhang Weili questions from earlier? You know we all love her. I will try my best, but this podcast is running long. Um, so if you want to recycle some, otherwise I will try to if I can. Um, Ghost Phantom, do you like switch hitting? Easy phrasing with straight punches. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do, actually. Uh, so you're learning four punches with two different looks. Right jab, right shot. Yep, I do all the time. Yep, my shadow boxing, sparring, and everything. I love it. And agree, Lorisenko and Gooden is one of... Is one of the best booths. I love John Gooden as well. Not enough John Gooden in the life. Uh, Sanko needs to get in some fight nights in 2023. I completely agree, Oliver Gad. I'd love to see her on pay-per-views, really. But baby steps, I suppose. Yes. All right. As I circle back up to some of the Zhang Wei Li questions before we get out of here. <coughs> ah, there we go. All right. Da da da. All right. Uh, I already did the one on the Zhang Wei Li question. As far as that. There's so much sympathy. All right. boom, boom, boom. Jimmy Kudo, why do you think there is so much sympathy when Whaley KO'd Joanna or when Andrade slammed Rose? There's very lovable lovable fighters, I suppose. Um, you know, fan favorites. Even if they're not mine or yours, they are very fan favorite fighters. Um, you know, you can factor into uh, the female equation of... of how some of us, uh, especially males, are guilty of treating females to males. Um, you can even split the hairs further on there, right? Um, females that we deem attractive from whatever metric to ones that maybe aren't as traditionally attracted by whatever metric. That maybe could unfortunately play into some things too. Um, but those are those are usually the typical, uh, typical answers. Um, Yep, I already got Jen's question about uh, the channels dedicated, you know, to negative uh, attention. Don't don't give them attention. Simple. Um, <laughs> Shouts to Canelo. Seeking of Neil Melanson. Yep, you already gave me those. Uh, this was a uh, one. The uh, I was not familiar with uh, this person, Josh Hinger, as far as this this question who apparently have been training with uh, Zhang Weili, ADCC bronze medalist. That was one. Um, do, 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 do. Are you familiar with the MMA gym Extreme Couture? That's where I'm training. I saw in a live chat with Weili that Weili may be splitting her time between Extreme Couture and the UFCPI in preparation for a fight with Carla. I will be keeping an eye out from her. I did see um, Rin Nakai, a Japanese fighter out there a little bit a couple weeks ago. Um, all right, uh, and I think that is it. If you have any more uh, Zhang, I know that, I know we get a lot of Zhang Weili stuff, so I'm probably gonna be missing some of it. So I apologize. Um, all right, here we go. Here we go. Recycled, recycled. There we go. But when Rose knocked out Wei Li, Jimmy Kudo adds to an earlier question. Media praised Rose and made fun of Wei Li's career and downplayed her championship run in the sympathy on whether she was okay or not. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that of course, cycles back to, again, um, splitting hairs between, you know, uh, female athletes, perhaps geopolitics could fall into that, you know, as far as what's more attractive, right? More attractive narratives, right? It's not necessarily looks that's attractive, 
storylines, narratives, things that shouldn't matter uh, as much like geopolitics and unfortunately bleed into our sport and uh, bleed into the coverage, right? And that's what you guys are kind of seeing and citing here. Um, last Shangwei Lee question before I talk, finish this chat on Jose Aldo and we get out of here. How would you classify Zhang Wei Li as a fighter? Is she a wild brawler or a technical striker? She's a technical striker. She's not a wild brawler. I've seen Jack Slack say that she's a good technical striker. Okay, I feel less crazy saying that. But I've seen her haters call her wild and unintelligent. Again, these are these are just people you guys shouldn't be paying attention to. Like, honestly, you know, as far as off base stuff, Jack Slack definitely someone you should be paying attention to. That dude knows what he's talking about. Um, happy to be on the same side of his opinion and not the wild haters. Here's an important question. Best Korean barbecue in Vegas? Hard-hitting questions here. You know what? I got to go with my man Aaron Bronstetter, actually. People from out of town know this place better than me, Mark. It's insane. Um, but Huato was really good. Oh, my goodness. Huato. It was really amazing. If you make it up here, Mark, we're going. There ain't no excuse. We're going, baby, uh, to quote uh, Pulp Fiction. Um, but I do love me some... Um, this place called Island Style. Uh, Island Style. It's off like Sahara and Decatur, I think. It's uh, the wife is from Korea and the husband is a mixed mixed Asian guy, local guy from Hawaii. So you've got like the chicken katsu and the and the uh, like stuff like that, like you know mac salad and combination plates, right? Like you got, but then you got like all the Korean good stuff, like you got the traditional Korean barbecue, where you can cook it on the table to like the dishes that like my, my favorites, like the chop chai or bulgogi. I love bulgogi. Um, meat jun was a favorite as a kid. That's like uh, scrambled egg batter over marinated beef strips. Really good. Um, of course, who doesn't love Kalbi? I mean, you got it right. You got to You got to get get some Kalbi in there, um, and all that stuff. The kimchi fans, all that good stuff. Something about Korean rice too is so good. Those little silver bowls. It's just hot and steamy, and it's it's sticky too. It comes out in bowls and clumps. You can really, even if you're not good with the chopsticks, you can really eat it with the chopsticks. I'm getting myself so goddamn hungry here. Can you tell? Uh, your boy is almost 30 pounds down um, <laughs> from where I started. I know it doesn't look it. I got gomi face. I look the same in all these abbeys, but yeah, it's really good. Um, but yeah, Jose Aldo, please peep and share my piece, guys. Uh, I don't expect you to agree. Uh, I ranked top 11 UFC and WEC performances. Um, I, I used uh, some tweets, so hopefully you can share and, and, and follow some of the people that I use tweets like Ocelot MMA, the Miguel Classes of the World. Um, anyone else um, uh, in there? Hopefully, uh, you know I, I appreciate the tweets uh, that were put out there. Of course, I use some of my own that I've done and put together as well. Um, just to help better help illustrate um, these moments, whether I'm talking about the defense of Jose Aldo and his takedown defense, uh, I talk about a lot. You know, everyone talks about his leg kicks right in the WEC days like the blue cage Aldo and the leg kicks you know and I re rewatched it it wasn't his leg kicks uh, you know it was his leg kicks obviously Brookins obviously favor but you know what was a quiet key to blue cage Aldo it was his knees and his body work really go look at it the knees and the body work you know from that Rolando Perez finish like after that, I think like his subsequent three or four finishes in a row in the WEC after that WEC 38 appearance opposite Perez, uh, 
they're all set up from knees, whether they're to the body or to the head. And in that Mike Brown finish, you know, we all think about the jiu-jitsu, and that's what's usually posted, right? But if you actually go back and watch the fight and not the tweets and stuff, like, he is brutalizing Mike Brown with body work. And um, <clears throat> I'll probably get shit for putting that Brown fight ahead of the Faber fight spoiler, but I just feel like Mike Brown's brief WEC title reign, A, doesn't get the love it deserves, and therefore that fight does not get the love it deserves. Um, it really was a complete Aldo performance. That was just something I noticed. And um, I don't know if it was Ocelot Miguel or someone made like a reference, a, a kind of a loose reference in a tweet as far as Aldo being our Duran. But um, I make a lot of comparisons to uh, Roberto Duran's fight with uh, Iran Barkley. Again, you know, rewatch The Natural last night, rewatching a guy in his mid 30s making a comeback after deciding to pick up the game after out of nowhere, right? Um, we're trying to watch more the inspirational performances than the old guy getting shit kicked, like most of the time that happens, right? Watching Duran come back and just one of the best post prime performances against Iran Barkley. And uh, you see a lot of that in Jose Aldo, whether it's the left hook that had his name on him. Uh, that has name on it in <clears throat> that first half of that Chad Mendez two fight in UFC 179, or Aldo is one of his best prime, uh, the one of the best post prime performances in MMA against Rob Font. That had a very a lot of Iran Barkley to it as far as having to rely Aldo really having to rely on his fight IQ to pull out the power shots and counter the lead hand of Font throughout the contest. I mean. You know, the one of my top eight jabbing performances in the UFC is Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar, right? Um, I mean, the guy is just so much the leg checking performances that shit. I mean, he has these performances that from the Rob Font fight that shits on significant strikes to the Pedro Munoz Pedro Munoz fight uh, that shits on the leg kicks landed department. And I'm not trying to come at my guy, uh, my guys Richard Mann, who are like the real statisticians of the world over there, but like it just. You know, this guy, that's how great this guy is. There's all these fantastic examples that stand the test of time, not just for his resume, but like just examples for MMA, the game, the stats, auditing the history books and the metrics we use it, elevating the techniques in which we use to employ it. Aldo fucking did it all. I mean, in a sport where pound for pound is overused for guys, you know, just because they're on a win streak or like have a zero for a small pirate next to their name. Great. Legend. Like, no, that's Aldo. You know? You want to talk about streaks. You know, everyone talks about Usman or Khabib. Maybe they'll talk about Usman less because he lost, but maybe they'll they'll you know, they'll still suck Khabib's D for his undefeated streak. You know, you know, outside of Ali Bagoff, it was just pretty much dude's wheel to him before the UFC and you know didn't even make weight for a lot of those fights, you know, uh, pulled out of how many, whereas, you know, Aldo, even if it was beatings like Max Holloway that he shouldn't have been taking on short notice to save the day, um, killing himself to make weight for those fights and more, multiple weight classes, um, always stepping up to the challenge, not waiting for the weather to be just right, no, you know, 
an unbeaten streak from 2005 to 2015 for a decade, defending the title nine times. Nine times across two organizations. World-class, legendary organizations. Elevating the game. Defense, offense, making defense undeniable in a game that is inherently offensive. Like, go fuck yourself. Jose Aldo, motherfuckers. Pound-for-pound legend. That is a pound-for-pound legend. A lighter weight class fighter doing technical, superb things that deserve recognition and distinction. The reason why pound-for-pound was brought about in boxing for, you know, Sugar Ray Robinsons and the like, right? I mean... Just seeing the gross misuse of pound for pound over and over again when you got guys like Jose Aldo. When we were lucky enough to have guys like Jose Aldo in this sport. Can't give him enough credit. I'm not talking too much about the retirement because we know how those things go. I'm sure he'll pop back up in some boxing. Um, or who knows, maybe some MMA. And hashtag MMA retirements, right? So I was really selective on that, but excuse to pay a Jose Aldo respect well best Jose Aldo move Ghost Phantom says I don't know man that's a tough one that's a tough one man I'll go hipster I'll go that Rolando Perez that timing just that timing his proprioception that's his move anything anything proprioception related that's a cheat I think I've listened to about three years worth of fights gone by now working my way through the backlog nice nice shout out to Jack Slack the intercepting knee, 2005 to 2006. There we go. Low kicks from hell during the WEC days. Absolutely. Who could forget? Is it the jab he developed after Connor KO'd him? Um, maybe a different style of jab. I mean, he's had different iterations. You know, you could argue it was kind of a different style of jab in the Pedro Munoz fight when I recently went back to watch that. When he worked with the, what was it, the Brazilian Navy or the Brazilian Marines. Um, he even has a different style jab in that fight. There's a lot of different iterations, you know. <coughs> I know around the Hominic time, when he first came into the UFC, is when he started work, going over to the Netherlands to work with, like, Dutch kickboxers. And then shortly after that, you really see him really, uh, that Frankie Edgar fight is really where that jab really becomes a real connectivity piece and presence. It's had appearances, for sure. Um, feeding the legendary single from Aldo is a legendary form of takedown defense. Great shout. Yes, sir. Jose Aldo used that rear leg pivot point for his rear leg to check Pedro's calf kick. Another great shout. Yeah, that's right. Or Aldo hinging the knee. That's right. Hinging the knee to make the calf kick uh, completely miss. Which, you know, tell that to the statisticians because they counted those ghosts. So... Yep, a lot of Jose Aldo love. There's my Jose Aldo rant. We went long enough. One minute, 42 seconds. We'll end it before 145. Thanks for joining me. It'll be an hour 30 for the audio version on YouTube or on podcast because i got to edit out the 15 minutes of my dumbass muting myself. Thanks for joining me here, folks. I'll post uh, whatever plays I end up adding, but really right now it's just Mads Burnell. Uh, 2.5 units at plus 100 for him inside the distance. Um, looking for some chalk to pair him up to. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Uh, maybe I'll sprinkle on some round two. 
uh, Romero, maybe I won't, but uh, we'll see at Dan Tom MMA, Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube. Like and subscribe, even though I don't deserve it for the beginning. Uh, Dan Tom uh, MMA on um, social platforms, at the PYN podcast on all social platforms. Like and subscribe. Doesn't hurt. Um, I'll do Amazon reads next week. Appreciate you guys going to mixedmartialanalyst.com, clicking through the Amazon or the Onnit links. Uh, of course, secure. PayPal banners for those who want to donate to this free show. To the right, toggle to the right. Of course, those same links will be in the link tree. At Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. All right, guys, good luck with your picks and plays this weekend. Thanks for joining me in the chat. Like the video if you haven't already. And always protect.